0: Welcome to Media Buddhi A to Z. If you're a first-timer to Media Buddhi, you might be wondering what that is and what is meant by A to Z or should it be A to Z?
1: I think let's just go with A to Z.
2: Oh, maybe A to Z, you know, it's the Queen's English.
0: You know, I ask because the now generation is Gen Z, right? Even in areas where we go by the Queen's English. Uh, in any case, we're going with A to Z, I guess. And let me now do a quick introduction of ourselves. I'm H.R. Venkatesh. I started an initiative here at Boom called Media Buddhi. And it's all about being literate in media, being literate in social media, in politics, in gender, you name it. And I have with me Archis Chaudhry and Divya Chandra. Divya, what do you feel like sharing about yourself today?
1: I'm an engineer turned journalist and fact checker who's responsible for conducting fact-checking workshops here at BOOM. Uh, also, one more thing that I want to share about myself is that I've lived in seven different cities. Delhi, Ludhiana, Faridabad, Chandigarh, Bangalore, Lucknow and Pune. And I really like the exposure that I've got so far.
2: Hey, I, I totally feel you. I've lived around and I think it's really cool. It sort of opens you up to a diverse group of people and ideas. And uh, as for me, I, I like to believe I'm a psychonaut and a technonaut. I mean, technonaut is not a real word, though, but what I mean is I like to use my mind and technology and a variety of uh, processes to travel through the universe, through space and time, you know. Uh, and uh, when I'm not doing, doing all of this, I'm a journalist at Boom. Uh, and uh, I look at uh, larger trends in the fake news multiverse, uh, if I can use that word here. Uh, and hate speech and uh, politics on drugs on internet
0: I like this. I like this. We know way too much basically about divya's location history, and from you, archis, I've learned two new words: techno not and psychonot.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> well, dear listener if you if you now know a little bit about us and you know through the episodes, we'll tell you a little little more. Here's a little bit about the show. Each week, we will look at a set of words that will help us have better conversations of a sensitive nature.
1: Yes, we are attempting to build a vocabulary, a language to talk about some of these important issues that affect us. So with each episode, we'll pick one letter, let's say A, and run about 5 to 10 words starting with the same letter.
2: For example, A for algorithm, B for bug C for cancel culture, D for disinformation, and so on. So in today's episode, we have A for Authenticity, Algorithm, Authoritarian, Allyship, Appropriation, Anxiety, and Anonymous.
0: The thing I want to stress on is, words matter. If we don't have the vocabulary to discuss certain issues, we cannot do justice to them. Or we're basically doomed in trying to understand why other people believe certain things.
1: Okay, let's start with the first word, A for authenticity. Archis, uh, we're both fact checkers and finding the authenticity of everything on the internet, let's say an image or a video or a text, is what we do on a daily basis. So, what is authenticity?
2: Well, clearly to us fact checkers, it's a very important word. In fact, uh, it is the crux of what we do. You know, people send us uh, requests for verifying and we find out what's genuine and what's not. You know, we we basically provide the, the label of authenticity to information, you know, on the Internet. And for us, authenticity is decided by hard evidence. And, uh, you know, at Boom, what we consider as hard evidence is basically indisputable evidence. It could either be digital or material. Or, you know, it could be uh, multiple witness statements, ground reporting, you know, statements from authority or RTI responses. Uh, And, you know, finally, when we get all this information together, we apply critical thinking and reasoning to make sense out of it. And then uh, we basically, you know, kind of provide this tag of authenticity. So that's what it means to us.
1: Right. And, you know, interestingly, the word authenticity and the word authority, they have the same roots. So, you know, it's like whoever has the authority can decide what is authentic.
0: Wow, that is pretty deep. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, I want to add here that our challenge as citizens today is very different from before the era of smartphones, social media and cheap internet. Now it's on us to realize that we have to look for authenticity in pretty much everything we see, whether it's a WhatsApp forward or the news that you see on TV. And one of the things we can do as regular people is we can use a framework called a nice analysis. That's a nice, five letters. Each letter stands for something, as in A for authoritative, N for named, I for independent. C for corroboration, and E for evidence. So if someone sends a WhatsApp forward saying something like, you must drink ginger tea four times a day to prevent coronavirus, check if that message follows that format that you can use a nice framework, which is, is that message, does it have someone who's authoritative? A for authoritative. Is that person named? Uh, Which means is a real person quoted as saying that, And is that person an actual expert in that area? Then ask yourself, is this source I for independent? Then see if this forward contains information that can be cross-referenced somewhere else. And finally, if there is E for evidence. Uh, I know this might be a little too much uh, for people listening in. So we'll link to an article we've done explaining this process and this framework We'll link to it in the show notes.
2: That's actually quite informative. I and mean, you guys should really check this link out and it'll save you a lot of trouble later. Uh, you know, guys, like now that we have talked about authenticity and Divya kind of links it to authority, I'm reminded of something, you know, non-sentient digital entities that actually have the power to decide what is authentic and not for many people. And of course, I'm talking about algorithms
1: yes that brings us to our next word which is algorithm actually there's a bit of confusion over what an algorithm is so you know what how about we play a game archers and venkatesh uh, name two tools or apps or sites that use that you use rather daily uh, you know on a daily basis that use algorithms
2: i'd say like spotify or instagram
0: Mm, YouTube and Google Maps.
1: Okay, I'll say mine. Uh, Google and Twitter.
0: Right. So basically an algorithm is a computer program or a bit of code that automatically does something. In a sense, it's like a food recipe recipe, pardon me, that is automated. And the point we want to make by discussing the word algorithm is that our lives are ruled by algorithms and our choices as well. And sometimes we're not aware of that. And it's good to be aware of that.
1: Yeah and you know many of us are on social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and all of us have a news feed. Now this news feed has been created with the help of an algorithm which is different for different social media platforms. So you may think that it's a good idea to make use of an algorithm since since, you know it's personalizing your feed depending upon your interests or the kind of information that you're engaging with and you know so, so on and so forth. However the problem with this model is that you're seeing only what you want to see you're or you know you're only engaging with the content that reinforces your beliefs so what you're not consuming is or what you're not exposed to is the other side and till the time you're not exposed to it i mean how will you behave in an objective manner
0: good question uh, upon which we should do some thinking and at this point actually i would like to add two other terms here which are used interchangeably But they are not actually the same. They are echo chambers and filter bubbles. Like Divya was saying, if you are exposed only to the same type of thinking that you believe, you are not exposed to anything new. That is essentially an echo chamber. And a filter bubble is basically the same thing. It's an echo chamber plus there's an algorithm that is dictating what you see. It's dictating your choices. Hmm. okay
2: on that i'd like to throw some quick questions and you know we may know this but you know just bear with me for the sake of our listeners so i'm gonna just put out some words and you know you tell me if the following are filter bubbles or echo chambers uh first is instagram what do you guess? uh
0: okay that that would be a filter bubble because anything you see on instagram is dictated by the algorithm
2: what about twitter
0: Twitter, your Twitter feed is also a filter bubble at work because the algorithm gives you more of what you like and retweet.
2: How about YouTube and Facebook?
0: Filter bubbles all the way. I mean, uh, I've spent, I don't know, several thousand hours of my life going down the YouTube rabbit <laughs> hole, clicking on the recommended video one after the other. So it's definitely a filter bubble at work there.
2: Okay. We don't want to know where you ended up finally. Uh, But okay. How about this? How about my family WhatsApp group? What would that be?
0: Yeah. You know, I I don't want to know where I ended up either. You know, that's buried somewhere in my history. But uh, family WhatsApp group, that's interesting. Um, That's an echo chamber because in a WhatsApp group, uh, it's not a computer program that is dictating... What you're reading—it's uh, basically another human being sharing stuff or writing stuff. So a WhatsApp group would be an echo chamber. Okay, so
2: I have a I have a last one here. What about watching your favorite TV news channel at home every evening? Yeah, that before too. That, could...
1: Before that, I have a question. How many of us are actually watching TV news channels?
2: Good question. Yeah, I, not, I, not, I, not me. Not
0: and not I'm from TV. I, I, I was in TV. <laughs> I was in TV several years ago and i don't watch tv news either <laughs> but i mean this is an interesting question you asked Archis, because you know it depends on where you're watching the tv news if you're watching it on tv and you're only watching the same channel uh then you're basically being fed the views of that same channel and it's an echo chamber but if you're watching this tv channel on instagram or i don't know wherever youtube then it could work as a filter bubble okay
2: uh, you know, I was also thinking that the same platforms can sometimes act as filter bubbles and echo chambers at the same time. Uh, for example, you have the Facebook news feed, uh, or the Twitter news feed, and they're both filter bubbles. But a Facebook page or a Twitter spaces session, those would be echo chambers.
1: You know, I also want to add here that Google search can also be a filter bubble. The search results will be different for everybody depending on a lot of other factors.
0: Yeah, and the point I want to make uh, to add to that is that our realities today are being manipulated by forces that we are simply not aware of. So it's a good idea to build a conscious media consumption strategy uh, so that we are exposed to multiple viewpoints.
1: And thinking about forces that manipulate us, I am reminded of our next word a for anonymous. Anonymous people on the internet have really created chaos in our lives. A for anonymous meaning not known or identified. Anonymous people are a real problem in the age of social media and you know messaging apps. Now, I mean being being anonymous used to be a good thing on the internet. It protected your identity and kept you safe. But the flip side turned out to be really bad.
2: Mm, that's right, you know, but who is an anonymous person on the internet, you know? Uh, the word actually means a lot of things. You know, it could be a really nasty troll who says like the worst things, you know, like rape, threats, death, or even worse. Uh, and uh, even if this person isn't anonymous, it's part of a much larger mob of people who are attacking someone, harassing someone online. So, you know, the, the large number kind of protect, uh, protect the uh, identity of uh, these nasty individuals. So it's like being anonymous. It's like being part of a, a physical mob, you know, that the mob gives you anonymity. And uh, if even if you're not the tra- target of trolls, you know, you're still a victim of anonymity almost every single day. There's another meaning to the word, you know, it also means an activist. Uh, in the internet culture, uh, it's, you know, it's part of an organized global network of hacker activists, you know, you often identify these accounts with the mask of Guy Fox, like in the film, Before Vendetta. So anonymous means all these things.
0: Yeah, uh, a Gen X reference there, Arches, I'm proud of you. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, because pretty much anything you read on WhatsApp or Facebook or gazillion other apps, you know, that comes with no source. Uh, that's the problem of anonymity. There's no authorship or worse, you have a false name. That's as good as being anonymous. So we say a good rule is be wary of anonymous people or anonymous sources. Uh, be wary of anonymous sources or unauthored pieces.
1: And with anonymity comes a lot of anxiety. You know, especially if somebody is being trolled on the internet and doesn't even know who's behind it. So the person doesn't even know whom to blame. And which with this, we come to our next word, which is A for anxiety. I mean, I just feel it's not only close to my heart and a lot of people, but I also feel a lot of people are dealing with it. And, you know, only when some incident happens, it's it's when then, you know, people actually want to, you know, talk about it. Or let's say they say, or they, they even acknowledge it then that, you know, yeah, okay, I am, maybe I am suffering from anxiety. or I am uh, feeling that I'm being anxious right now.
0: Yeah, I, I like the idea of talking about uh, this word, because anxiety uh, and the other A word, anger. They're all emotions that are being weaponized in a big way. And we are exploited pretty much constantly. Uh, As I said, our reality is defined by anxiety and how that anxiety makes us respond to the news and how that anxiety shapes what we believe.
1: You know, it's interesting how often this word is used, but how little people may even know about it. And, you know, on a personal level, the first time I realized that I'm experiencing anxiety was after I got infected with COVID, which was during the second wave in April uh, 2021. But uh, you must be wondering that how did I even come, you know, come to know about it. So I have this friend, uh, I have this habit of calling my friend who's uh, a doctor. She lives in the US and uh, every time I'm experiencing something unusual or new. So I just call her up. And that day, my heartbeat had gone up to, let's say, I think it was somewhere around 100. And I felt really weird. And I just, I was just very scared. And I thought maybe like something was going to happen, like maybe say something bad was going to happen. And then my friend said that, I think you're being anxious. So then I thought to myself that, I mean, the only thing I told her was about how weird I felt. So why did she think it was because of anxiety? So I called her again to ask about it. And this time she said, this is not your first time. I mean, we've known each other for over a decade now. And she knows exactly how I react to a particular situation. Or let's say how I think and, you know, I mean, reflect on things. So, I mean, having said all of this, I'm not an expert on anxiety. Rather, I know very little But the one thing that I realized that day, and I strongly believe in this, that, I mean, it's very, very important to talk about how you feel with your close ones, friends, relatives, colleagues, anybody, and how it's okay to focus on your mental health.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, it's, I mean, it's really not spoken about enough, especially in India, you know, a country that is, you know, like filled with mental health issues all around and, we barely talk about it, and you know, like hearing you speak about it, Divya. Let's say one thing that you know you're not alone in this. There are a lot of people. I mean, the feeling that you just described, the feeling of doom that something bad is going to happen. You know, that is a constant for a lot of people, including me. And it's it's like we're living in a world of mass anxiety, you know. And it's like it happens to people who live on the internet a lot. So we we are all connected to all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world, you know, and there's like an endless source of anxiety for all of us. You're just waiting in store.
0: Yeah, anxiety. I mean, uh, I think we're all exposed to a lot of what they call secondary trauma, which is we're not directly traumatized, but when we're reading and watching stuff on the internet, we're indirectly being traumatized. And it's obviously worse for fact checkers. I, I here want to make like a couple of points extra as well. One is that we are not necessarily talking about the normal human emotion of anxiety, which affects all of us. We're specifically in this context of this podcast. We're talking about anxiety, which has been multiplied by being connected all the time. And for me, anxiety is an emotion that people who try to manipulate our realities, they use that a lot. Um You know, There's this uh, concept of demographic anxiety, which I guess we'll come to when we come to the letter D. Uh, But the second thing I want to say here is we often choose unconsciously what to believe, what not to believe as well, based on whether that information gives us anxiety or not. So pretty much all the quote-unquote fake news out there and misinformation that is successful is perhaps successful because it plays on people's anxieties or anger or fear or insecurity. So if you people see a a post on the internet or on WhatsApp that is making you anxious, it might be a good idea to question what that message is trying to achieve. And the idea of anxiety also relates to the idea of certainty in a sense. People are anxious enough about their day-to-day life that they want to feel that the idea, they want to feel that other things are under control. So that makes us want to seek people who who, who, who exude that authoritarian kind of uh, vibe, right? That's why we like strong authoritarian figures so much. Uh, in any case, uh, let's. I, I, I don't want to go on. Uh, we are not qualified here to talk about anxiety because we are not therapists and we are not professionals. Uh, but if you feel that you have an anxiety issue and you would like help, go look for, for a professional who can help you. And I think that's the final note on anxiety. What's next, folks?
1: So we have three words remaining, which are appropriation, allyship, and authoritarian. And we'll start with the first two words, which are related to each other. Uh, but before that, before I we actually go into a deep detail about the word, can I read out a dictionary definition of the word appropriation?
2: Yes, please go ahead.
1: It's an act or instance of taking, especially illegally or unfairly.
0: Yeah, that's a really compact definition. And it's worth stressing on it because if you take something illegally, it's it's like appropriating money or appropriating funds from a company, right? So we, we know about that. But that's not what we're focusing on here. We're focusing on the act of taking unfairly. Okay, I'm
2: going to throw an example here. You'll find many white influences getting like super popular on the internet giving yoga lessons. Do you guys think it's appropriation?
0: Hmm. Okay, I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah, even I think it's tricky and I'm kind of confused here also.
2: Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of appropriation going on here. You know, uh, Yoga with Adrian, Yoga with Tim, these are actual channels on YouTube which are super popular. And, and there are a lot more, you know, and if you hear some of these influencers talk about their practice, you'll find very superficial mention of its original roots in Southeast, uh, in South Asia. And it's mostly about the attention or the money, you know, it's about business, basically. At the same time, there are a bunch of authentic trainers in the West who have dedicated their lives to learning and teaching yoga, and they often don't get noticed. And even some South Asian yoga instructors on the internet sometimes have to teach Not the real yoga, but something that's called power yoga, which is actually adapted by the West. So I feel that this is appropriation because, you know, it's that adapted Western version that gets popular. It brings uh, business to Western folks and the originality of the practice is getting lost in it. So, you know, they're not able to actually give value to its roots.
0: I see your point, uh, Arches, but, you know, I think the example of yoga is a little more complex uh, there's both appropriation going on and appreciation going on, uh, and I think the explosion of yoga has created multiple opportunities for people on the west, in the west, but also Indians as well and other uh, countries in South Asia where this has uh, long been a practice before. And I'm sure, of course, there are cases where it is appro- appropriation and where it is merely appreciation.
2: Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. you know I, I do agree i also think that you know the appropriators are making it a lot more challenging for the appreciators to thrive you know by taking up the space uh, anyway i also had another example i wanted to throw uh, you know a, a popular one to discuss you know hip hop and rap music in the us it is basically considered of african american origins you know uh, yet eminem a white rapper is one of the most well known faces of rap so do you guys think it's appropriation
0: This is again tricky, but I have my views on this. Uh, Look, a white person, uh, you know, uh, making a lot of money and, uh, you know, becoming really famous by uh, essentially adapting uh, music that's come from the ghetto uh, hip hop music uh, from the black community is certainly it certainly seems very appropriate. Uh, And I don't know enough about the American music scene to say much about it. But I want to focus on like a couple of things. Okay, so hip hop, it became huge, right? Uh, In the 90s, starting in the 90s onwards, it went all over the world. And it influenced multiple people. So it's influenced uh, hip hop artists in South Africa, hip hop artists in many African nations. In India itself, you have Dalit hip hop, right? And you have Tamil hip hop. Uh, you have hip hops uh, that have really uh, gone to sub- subaltern aspects of life so maybe many of them started off listening to eminem so is this appropriation is this appreciation i mean i just like the fact that we are discussing it uh, that it in itself you know we don't i feel we don't particularly need to find a a certain answer which is correct there is no dictionary definition that will apply in all cases but, you know, generally, I want to say I like where this discussion on appropriation is going.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, again, this is I'm a little confused, but I i think it's more on the lines of appropriation. I mean, as far as I've understood, I think it is more towards appropriation.
2: Yeah, I, I guess it is a tricky one. You know, personally, you know, I, I've been a big fan of hip hop uh, since I was young. And personally... In Eminem's case, I don't think it's appropriation because, uh, from what I understand about hip hop and rap music, it's not just uh, the people of Afro- uh, the, the music of uh, and by African Americans, it's also music by oppressed people. And if you hear the lyrics, you know, I mean, why it got so popular because these people would speak about their oppression, you know, they would say things really uncensored, uncut, raw, like in ways that others didn't say, you know, all the hardships of their lives, you know, about getting shot, about having to deal drugs because they're poor, things like that. And uh, Eminem actually kind of represents their community. I mean, he, he comes from a very impoverished background, living in uh, actually these white, ba- these black ghettos. So he comes up in that kind of environment, you know, that allowed rap music to thrive, you know, going to these little rap concerts, in, the, in these small alleys and all these things that he has done in his life actually kind of represents what rap music is about. So I feel that in Eminem's case, especially, it's not maybe appropriation, but I don't know, maybe in the case of Elvis Presley, I guess Elvis Presley doesn't really represent uh, the black community of that time but he he was definitely the, the most famous rock and roller you know he overshadowed a lot of other people d- during his time i don't know it's it's a tricky concept but it's, you, know.
0: It, you know what i'm going to throw two more things into the mix that just came to my mind okay you remember that uh, uh that viral uh, uh instagram uh what's the thing for uh, instagram real dance right katcha yeah
2: Kacha badam, okay. yeah. Kacha badam,
0: it was like yeah. all over the place, right? It's yeah. still all That's over right. the place. That's so right. now someone picked up the music, uh, I mean, a song that this street vendor uh, and added some beats to it and it became super viral and everyone's doing the Kachabadam Badam dance. So, yeah. and, and as a result, this guy gets a little bit of fame and I guess he gets a little bit of money as well. So is it appropriation? What is it?
2: I don't know. It's it's again very tricky, yeah. you know. Like yeah. he does get some money out of it and all. Like there's a bit of advantage that he got out of it.
1: And he did, uh, also like no, it's not like people didn't come to know.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at least yeah. his face was there, so maybe yeah. it's not appropriation. I I don't know. I don't know how much That's money okay, he actually I'm, I'm, got.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, either we have yeah. the exact, you know, matlab, you know, we can really quantify it or something. Maybe then we'll be in a better position to answer this.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw in another example. Okay, so you started uh, waxing eloquent about Eminem, and I I thought of the movie. Uh, was it eight? eight uh, is it eight, eight mile? mile uh, I, eight yeah. mile. Yeah. And then cool. I I thought about uh, that movie by uh, Zoya Akhtar, uh, Apna Time Aaya," "Gully Boy," right? <laughs> Gully Boy, now, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now "Gully Boy" is an interesting case, right? It's got music by. Um, is it divine or uh, I don't know who yeah. it is? Divine.
2: Divine. Yes. Yeah, Aloha. But the yeah.
0: actor, yeah. the actor is Ranveer, right? And Ranveer yeah, yeah. is like this very uh, preppy schoolboy, uh, very comfortable in the world of English. Yeah. Not really from the streets. A Bollywood star making, taking divine's music, becoming really famous. Um, you know, uh, playing the playing a person who's from a very poor area in Mumbai. So, is that appropriation again?
2: Uh, You know, personally, I wasn't too happy about Ranbir playing that role. And uh, I I wasn't very happy about the film, personally, because I I thought it did no justice to Divine and the other rapper, I'm forgetting his name, uh, you know, whose music has been used, because they actually censored certain parts that, you know, that they found, okay, too, uh, too not very political, I don't know, like, kind of too provocative. But their music is actually meant to provoke, you know, meant to meant you meant to push you, uh, you know, off your comfort zone and think, you know, in a different way. Uh, So by taking those, uh, you know, like uh, by censoring their tracks and all, you are kind of, you know, uh, I don't not doing justice. You're taking it unfairly. I felt it's a very personal uh, take on the on the film.
0: Right. Well, you know, the reason we are talking about appropriation here is that uh, in the political context appropriation works similarly. Uh, Let's say you have someone who is uh, a Brahmin or someone from a Savarna caste. Now, this person might feel very strongly about the anti-caste movement, might identify with the anti-caste movement and may want greater rights and representation to Dalits and Adivasis. Now, if that person ends up hogging the spotlight and becomes a very vocal person and in the process, if they are denying the spotlight and the stage to so actual Dalits and Adivasis, then that is the act of appropriation. Uh, it works with gender as well, right? If you work in an office and you're male and you are super vocal about gender rights, that's fantastic. But what if you being vocal? Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a male, and uh, you know, if I'm being vocal and it's stopping a woman from taking a leadership role in asking for gender parity then it's quite likely that I am being appropriative in my behavior.
1: Here, I just want to add that our next word is allyship. And it's very close related to the idea of appropriation. Allyship is the state or condition of being an ally, which is supportive, supportive association with another person or group. So the key point here is that you're being supportive. You're not looking for the spotlight or any rewards.
2: So, in other words, allyship means being the supporting actor and not the lead character in a film.
1: Exactly. So, if you, Arches, were to fight for women's rights, be the supporting actor.
0: Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is another word that's closely related to allyship. That is solidarity. Uh, Allyship is when, I think, this is what I understand of it, is when people don't appropriate other voices and they're quietly supportive. Solidarity, some people believe, is an extension of the concept of allyship, where the allies do a lot of grunt work. I guess we'll come to that when we come to the letter S. Let's see, when we come to the letter S, if we've got too many letters to do, maybe we won't do it.
1: So what next now?
2: Okay, on that, I want to first share this quote. If you want a vision of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face, forever what do you guys think of this uh
0: sounds like someone very important said this quote
2: yeah yeah you're right you know this is what george orwell had to say about authoritarianism and you know we all know how authoritarian leaders can be and i i think his quote kind of rings a bell
1: so how is it relevant today
2: why is it relevant? Well, because authoritarian regimes are very much still here. They work quite differently today than they used to a hundred years ago, and uh, it is very important that we know what it looks like today, or they'll, you know, they'll just like kind of sweep us uh, from below, and we won't even know it.
0: Mm. You know. Uh, so authoritarian. Uh, the word. It. It reminds me of this guy Neil Postman. He was a media scholar. He was a leader in the media literacy field. He passed away in 2003. But there's a book of his uh, called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Uh, We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, So in it, he compares two dystopian novels. Okay. And he asks the question, whose world are we living in? Uh, So both of these dystopian novels are about some kind of authoritarian future. And you know, I guess the future is here. So Question is, are we living in the world of 1984, uh, the novel written by George Orwell, or are we in Brave New World, uh, which was written by Aldous Huxley? And Postman has an argument that I really like. So I'm going to quote from Postman's book. And he says, uh, open quotes, What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared that we would become a captive culture huxley feared that we would become a trivial culture so i mean i love this quote uh, this from this from the book what do you folks think are we in orwell's world or are we in huxley's world
1: i think it's a mix of both and it's very difficult to categorize into one really
0: um
2: yeah i agree you know i i think it really depends on who you are you know for someone like me i think i'm living in huxley's world you know i'm just you know uh, like kind of overloaded you know with a lot of sensory stimulation through the internet through tv uh, through other literature you know I'm always you know consumes, consuming some kind of information or the other uh, I am you know uh, eating all kinds of different food you know sometimes junk food and you know like I'm just kind of you know like providing myself all the different things you know that would you know, lead to some kind of pleasure so yeah I, I guess I guess I'm living in Huxley's world whereas You know, someone like say, uh, say Umar Khalid is is living in Orwell's world. You know, like he spoke out a little too loud, and he's in jail. You know, like the Big Brother has been watching him. You know, and all the people who have been snooped on uh, using Pegasus, for example. That that is that is George Orwell, all right. You know, like everyone's being looked into and all. So I guess it's really a mix of both.
0: Yeah, Mm. and the question that really pops into my mind is. Yes, India is, of course, a democracy. We have elections, all of that. But there are so many authoritarian tendencies within India. And which one do we live in? I I really like uh, the way Arches broke things down. uh, And I believe, like Divya too, that it's difficult to categorize. And to you who's listening to us, uh, we leave it to you to kind of ponder over. Are we living in Orwell's world or Huxley's world?
1: And with that, we end this first episode of Media Buddhi A to Z.
2: Yay, we've done the letter A.
1: We finished seven words, but we actually had a longer list of A words. Some of them are apolitical, adivasi, anti-intellectual, anti-national and activism.
0: Yeah, we could have gone on. But what we'll do instead is we'll, we're doing a call out to all of you who who are still listening right now. If you add want to add your thoughts... Send us a note on our substack, mediabuddhi.substack.com where you know uh, you will find the podcast or you can find it on social media as well. Uh, we'll also add your thoughts to the newsletter that we send out. Also tell us if there are any words you would like us to tackle.
2: And thank you for listening. Next week, we are going to focus on the letter B. B for backfire effect, bugfas, bhakt, blame, big lie and some more words.
1: You can subscribe to Boom's podcast on platforms like Apple and Spotify. To share your feedback, please write to us at podcasts at boomlive.in.
2: And please, please do take care and be safe. Be safe from bad people and bad information.